You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. You're listening to Done By Law, brought to you by the Federation of Community Legal Centres. Welcome to Done By Law on 3CR 855 AM. And also welcome to those listening via various podcast platforms or via streaming on 3cr.org.au. You're with Jimmy and Lizzie. Good afternoon, Jimmy. How are you doing? Good, thank you, Lizzie. How are you doing? Good. It's just after 6 o'clock on Tuesday, 4th of July, and um, as you know, we're in the 3CR studio in the heart of Old Fitzroy. I'm just going to start tonight by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kula Nation as the original and rightful custodians of this land. We pay our respects to elders and listeners to 3CR past and present. We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri have been communicating, telling stories and sharing in conversation on this land for a very long time, well before radio waves and 3CR rank in the air. We also acknowledge this land was stolen Never ceded, always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Just before we begin tonight, um, we just want to give listeners a small warning that we will be talking about a company that sold funeral insurance targeted at First Nations people. The company has since gone into liquidation and many people have lost thousands of dollars and been left with nothing. If you find this kind of information distressing or um, concerning, please switch off now, but come back at 6.30 to tune tune into the voices of West Papua. This special week is, of course, NAIDOC week, a week in which we celebrate the history, uh, the culture and the achievements of First Nations people. And tonight we are very lucky to have Mrs Bettina Cooper on our show, who we pay respect to tonight. Mrs Bettina Cooper is a proud Aboriginal woman from the Boandic people of First Nations of South East Australia, near what we now call Mount Gambia in South Australia. And for many thousands and thousands of years, Bettina's ancestors lived on that country. Uh, So Bettina is an experienced Aboriginal financial counsellor and currently works as Mob Strong Financial Counsellor and Strategy Lead at the Financial Rights Legal Centre in New South Wales. She's also the Campaign Coordinator for the Save Sorry Business Coalition. In both these roles, Bettina advocates for people who are disadvantaged as a result of language, literacy skills, geographical isolation, low income, disability, trauma or many other related factors. She is passionate about supporting her community. 
Recently, Save Sorry Business Coalition won the Consumers Federation of Australia's Showcase Advocacy Award for their campaigning on action to support First Nations consumers impacted by the collapse of funeral insurance insurer Upla. Welcome to the show, Bettina, and a huge congratulations on the recent and very well-deserved award. Thank you. Um, so I'll kick off with the first question. Uh, before we get into the UPLA-specific questions, can you tell us a bit about what kind of legal issues you come across in your work as an Aboriginal financial counsellor? The distinction between law and financial counselling advice must seem uh, quite thin at times. Well, I think it can be thin at times, but um, as financial counsellors, we're very, we're very lucky to have lawyers to work alongside. Um, the types of things that we see is often uh, people who come with complex debt pictures. They have multiple debts. Um, that they've, through sometimes through their own, been entrapped into something that shouldn't have been lent to them. Sometimes it's because it hasn't been clear that it is a debt, like with Buy Now, Pay Later. And sometimes it's because clearly the regulations have been breached by a company and they haven't known where else to turn but to a financial counsellor. And we do use the law to advocate for clients as well as using common sense approaches just to break things down. But every now and then we need to lean on a lawyer to get a bit more technical. That sounds like a really good um, merge of financial counselling with legal practice um, in that service, Bettina, and um, lots of um, credit and financial issues that uh, you're dealing with. Um, So moving like onto our topic of UPLA and what is uh, uh, abbreviated the ACBF or what um, I understand is the Aboriginal Community Benefit Fund. Why would a First Nations person become a client in this situation and what um, can you tell us a little bit about that? I certainly can. Unfortunately, I know it all. Yeah. The Aboriginal Community <laughs> Benefit Fund, that's what it started out as, right? Back in 1992, actually. It, it built itself as a fund uh, selling funeral products and it went around to First Nations communities actually door-knocking them, telling them that, you know, it was their responsibility to, to connect in with colonialised Australia and to, to, to pay for their kids and their families' funerals to stop their families having generational debt. And they actually signed up people as young as one month old. Oh, right. they'd, they'd, I know, they'd find somebody who was pregnant and find out when the baby was coming and they'd come back and visit and say, you should sign up. That's outrageous. Uh, Beyond, beyond outrageous, and, mm. and they did it again and again. I've, we've had, we have clients with multiple generations and multiple family members signed up because they believed it was their obligation, but also they thought, they thought it was a fund. They thought they were saving money. Mm. But, and they thought it was an Aboriginal fund, but that was a lie. It wasn't Aboriginally owned. They used the artwork. They used their community against us, and it was not a fund. It was an insurance product. They, it managed to get away with that for many years. In fact, what's most horrific is in 2001, the government, the federal government, previous federal government, allowed it actually on Centre Pay and gave it actually at that point an easy ride to get people who want Social Security money. Mm. Gave wow. it the vehicle for financial abuse. So that actually allowed that company to stay afloat and profitable for longer at the cost of the people who are in the most toughest socioeconomic problems. 
Right, so they were getting, so they didn't start that way, um, but they were clearly targeting uh, community members with that deceitful activity mm. of the colours and the branding is what you're saying, and then further in into you know like some time the government actually allowed them to have access to Centrepay Centrelink payments through the Centrepay arrangement. Which meant that they got the first slice of somebody's money before they even got the money for food or rent. Yeah, well, it sounds like it perpetuates, you know, many of the atrocities we've seen over, you know, colonial history in this, in this, um, on this land, and including things like stolen wages and all these kind of horrible things that we don't have time to go into today. So we'll <laughs> still we'll stick on topic. Um, so look, I, I was I was straw polling my friends um, and colleagues um, over this last week, and. Um, it seems that there's, you know, some idea in the community that this fund collapsed um, last year, but um, not much knowledge around why it collapsed and kind of if you could give us some details to what, what happened um, to lead to the collapse of this fund. Sure. So it, it finally collapsed in March 2022. Mm. And at that point it was over 150,000 people it had harmed, right? Wow. Yeah, 150,000 people and, um, yeah, the, the amount of money is, um, over a hundred and fifty million. How much did you say? Sorry, over a hundred and fifty million taken from community. Million. I think it's one hundred and seventy-four million we worked out taken from community. Wow, jeez. Mm. Um, so the reason the reason we believe it went we, we know why it went broke because yeah. it was reliable reliant on that that centre pay payment. That was a guaranteed source of income that you got the money in the bank each week, you know, each fortnight. But when that was taken away from them in 2015, the federal government finally heard advocates screaming and removed the only funeral insurer ever allowed on centre pay was removed. Right, that that stopped their guaranteed income stream, and then despite years of screaming that they weren't funeral insurer and they weren't being regulated properly, in April, 1st of April 2020, that was finally recognised that they didn't have a financial services licence and they weren't going to get a financial services licence. They could no longer sign up any new membership. But now they lost their income, new income. And it, it was inevitable that they were going to go broke. Yeah. Um, and they were using a, a reinsurer, Crown Insurance, sending money overseas. So... Yeah, they, they collapsed because the government finally tightened the noose on them, which they should have done decades before. Mm. That must have been incredibly distressful and frustrating in that oh. time of trying to get them to um, act to change that arrangement, but also really like it a really terrible um, situation seeing it collapse and leaving these people without... A fund, so I suppose that then leads to our question about um, what impact it had on the people in that fund at that period of time. Look, it, 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 there's so many horrific stories, but um, and all that has been probably exasperated by the failure of communication by the government, and the burden has fallen on consumer advocates. Um, for instance, in the first ten days after the collapse. We get about usually twenty calls a day. We got a thousand calls in ten days. Wow! Is that just at your service? Just at our service. Um, it took us over six months to return all the voicemails, but we returned every one. And yeah, those calls were confusion because of what they heard in the media, traumatized, the sudden loss of money, and and 
you know, the heart, and they were hurt because nearly every person we spoke to, we said, did you realise they weren't Aboriginally owned? UPLA, ACBF. And they were devastated and they felt so lied to because these people mm. would sit on their porches and have conversations with them. But it wasn't the person, it was it was the company that was paying this person that, that perpetuated this lie. And, you know, it was it was so hard because and we, we actually had to lobby the government very hard very early on. Like, they have collapse happened in March and... Um, we were we were pushing really alone because of some of the phone calls where my family member has just passed. They're in the morgue. We've got nowhere to bury them. What do we do? I'm so People... sorry to hear that, Bettina. That's just really just a terrible situation. Well, people were collecting cans. People were setting up GoFundMe pages because the lifeline of money that they had saved for, for decades was gone. Mm. And I will give this federal government um, credit and... March by they came in in May. But I think the 25th of July they announced the interim funeral benefit program, which um, took them till September to set up, but allowed for people who who were actively a member of the fund as of the April 2020 when it could no longer take new members to be able to apply to get their family buried using their UPLA funds, which was government funded. But um. But we still have people today who don't hear about that and don't know that because the communication has not been consistent across Australia that that is accessible to them. Oh, this this program, Lizzie, makes me far too angry far too frequently. But yeah. um, as a lawyer, I always fall on my um, my tool set uh, or my knowledge area. And so I am interested, Bettina, um, legally speaking, what, what action do you know um, do you know of that's been taken um, against this business for this Un- unconscionable behaviour, put in its most politeness, probably. Yeah, because she's mentioned um, ASIC before yeah. that there had been yeah. complaints there, which is the Australian Security um, uh, Investment Commission. Is oh. that correct? Um, um, so, just for people who don't know that um, acronym, um, yeah. But maybe you could um, yeah. talk a bit about that. Yeah. Look, I will say that um, we've been working closely with ASIC. Um, since the collapse, and I, there's been a lot of learning by them, and I, but um, and they have taken the company itself, Upla, to court, and they've presented the evidence, and that they're now waiting for the judge to come back. We expect any day now with a decision against Upla. The thing is that decision, there's going to be no monies out of it. The company is broke, but what we're hoping out of that decision will be will be the big stick and the warning that if the next person, the next company that comes along and uses our culture and our community and our colours and our, our, our who we are against us and, and it's done systemically, that this will be the penalty they pay. So we're hoping for a really large um, fine to be levied against the company as a severe warning that this shouldn't happen again. The ASIC is also currently using, they've got liquidators and they've got special liquidators who are collecting evidence for the purpose of understanding what the different directors or owners of the business were doing incorrectly and they're collecting that data and they're now looking at it to say, is there enough evidence to take these directors to court and what, and, and go through a process with them? We are aware that some of the assets for some of the directors who are still in Australia have been frozen while this is happening, but we also know some directors have um, made their way overseas with the money. Mm. How incredibly frustrating. Um, and, you know, I just wonder whether there's any 
um, preventative work that that can help them do. So the punishment is a really big part of it and having to be, um, you know, made responsible from from all this, but um, whether that, that they can do something preventative in that process would be ideal as well with, the, you know, not exploiting, like, the culture, as you said, and using those colours in setting up businesses that preys on people. Mm. Yeah, look, uh, this sort of, the fact is, it was 30 years of regulatory failure. There were 30 years where there were actions taken, but they were always light touch actions. They weren't the actions that needed to be taken. And the attitude was there in part, better that the First Nations people have something than nothing. Better the devil they know because there's no other funeral fund for First Nations people. But yeah. that, that, that thinking and that action actually enabled predators to take advantage of First Nations people rather than coming in and setting up an alternate program or alternate product that was suitable at, or holding these guys accountable. Oh, just awful. Um, let's take a moment to digest it. We are going to go to a quick community announcement. Um, you're listening to Done By Law. Stay tuned. We'll be back very shortly, just after this community announcement. You're listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. Solidarity Salon, home of Radical Women and Freedom Socialist Party, has moved to Reservoir. We are a socialist, feminist bookshop and organising centre eager to collaborate with a diversity of optimistic rebels. All gender identities welcome. We're at 113 Spring Street Reservoir, near Regent Station. Drop in or get contact details at socialism.com. Solidarity Salon is a proud 3CR supporter. Welcome back. Uh, You're listening to Done By Law on 3CR. We're talking to Bettina Cooper, who is a mob-strong financial counsellor and campaign coordinator for the Save Sorry Business Coalition. Um, we've been discussing uh, the UPLA Funeral Insurer or, um, or ACBF Aboriginal Community Benefits Fund that's been targeting First Nations uh, people in purchasing funeral insurance, um, which has led to um, a lot of victims, as we heard before the break. Bettina, welcome back. Um, uh, we know from the Royal Commission uh, that First Nations people are particularly vulnerable from these kinds of unscrupulous business practices. Um, you talked a little bit about the roles that various governments have played, but what's your view now as to what they can do to prevent this happening again? Look, there needs to be regulations put in place that, that mean they act quickly and proactively against companies that make uh, decided to target First Nations people, the glacially slow movements that we experienced under UPLA and ACBF cannot be there anymore. It hasn't been. And First Nations advocates, even now, telling ASICs about other issues um, and there are other regulated issues, those voices need to be heard and they need to be, uh, they need to ask community, they need to listen to people, hear what's happening and act sooner rather than later because 
it needs to stop being an attitude of is oh well at least they've got something or nothing and and near enough is good enough or better the devil know if if somebody is taking advantage and First Nations voices are saying we need this stopped and First Nations are saying here is the evidence and then is the time to act. Absolutely, um, and do you has there been any improvement in um, in hearing? those voices? Has there been any changes from the government that you would say? Since in relation this, well in relation to you yeah. or in relation to your advocates? <laughs> <laughs> well you can answer both if you like. <laughs> Look, I will say that I do think that um I'm the, I think I'm the first First Nations person who's a member of the consumer consultative group for ASIC. That's been a change. Mm-hmm. Um I will say that the government, the federal government, which is this is not very widely known, but the federal government has now recently put in writing to us to say that they are going to put in an enduring resolution for people who have been harmed, and that is going to happen by the 30th of November this year. Yep. We still don't know what it looks like, who's going to be included in it or how much they're going to get, because the one thing that hasn't changed is the government is still slow to communicate with First Nations people and still slow to communicate with First Nations communities, which actually adds to the trauma and the harm and mm. the confusion. Mm. Yeah, of course. Um, just going back to um, when uh, um, the problems started to, you know, rise and, and advocates like yourself started to become really aware of the the widespread problem. Um, How was it that um, you all began working together and and what was the um, story behind Save the Sorry Business Coalition um, forming? Well, look, I have to say that there there has been many advocates before me. Mm -hmm. Um, I might just be the loudest one. (laughs) That were working on this problem. We had lawyers, um, even... Mark Colton is one of the lawyers in Mobstrong and lawyers across Australia who were taking cases to AFCA and getting AFCA, the, uh, the Ombudsman under financial services, to make determinations that this company was, had done the wrong thing. We, we, we were... So, oh, Bettina, sorry, it's just broken up a little bit. I was just wondering I'm if you sorry could... about that. That's all right. Yep. Um, I might just get you to repeat like what you were saying about um, some of the lawyers that were taking cases to um, AFCA being the Australian Financial Complaints Authority, the Ombudsman Service. We heard yeah. that bit and and then you were yeah, going on to say. That was lawyers across Australia getting that. And every case they took to that ombudsman was found in the favour of the client against ACF New Blood. was found that the company had to pay back the money that they borrowed, which is part of the reason which also why they collapsed because they were found wrong at every point. They'd never paid most of the money because they went to the collapse. Yeah. But they also we also had advocates taking um, stories to the Royal Commission and the Royal Commission uh you know took UPLA um directors and had them sitting in a chair and questioned them and Still, nothing much changed. And when you say the Royal Commission, can I just clarify, was that the finance, banking and finance Royal Commission that you're yes. talking about? Yeah. yeah, back in 2018. Yeah. Back in 2018. There were so many opportunities to stop this company. Yeah. yeah. When we took the Senate in 2018 at the Royal Commission, 
2020 when they couldn't get financial services licenses, but Oh, sorry, we, we we lost you again, Bettina. Um, we'll we'll try a couple more quick questions and see if the connection restores. But we're almost there anyway. Um, you talked a bit tonight about the work that you and and many other advocates across this country, both recently and in the past, have um, have done um, towards the government. Um, I'm I'm scared to ask this question, but how has the federal government responded to these lobbying efforts? Look, I think I've been to Canberra six times wow. in the last 12 months. Wow. With, sometimes with clients, sometimes uh, just with advocates. And um, they've met with me every time. Um, and I've also had a lot of across the board, whether it be national or green or independents or liberals, all stay meet with us. Mm. Um, and it has been, everybody has had the same opinion that there's something needs to be done. And the fact they're allowed on Centipede is horrendous. The government has now announced that, that, well, two advocates have announced that they will have an enduring resolution, which is what they're calling it, in place by the 30th of November. They haven't told us who will be included or how much they'll get, and that delay is what's going to cause more trauma to community. Yeah, of course. And organisations like ICANN in Queensland and MobStrong and other legal aid organisations around Australia continue to have calls of clients who just want to know what's going to happen because they think interim solution runs out on the 30th of November, but they need to die by then in order to be covered. Oh, my gosh. (sighs) All right. Well, uh, this leads me to our final and possibly most important question of the night. Um, If people are affected by the the UPLA um, fund and haven't haven't had the um, benefit of your assistance yet and they need some more information, uh, who should they contact and, and how can they go about this? They can do a couple of things. They can look at the MobStrong Facebook page. Mm-hmm. If they have somebody's past, they can contact the UPLA Funeral Benefit Program through Treasury. But if all that's too much of a challenge, they can give us a call at MobStrong on one eight hundred eight zero eight four eight eight. Loud and clear. Um, Bettina, thank you so much um, for your strength and advocacy and community engagement over um, your career. And um, it's really amazing to hear how how much effort and how many bloody trips to Canberra um, you've been on um, (laughs) to to try and try and make a difference in this really, really awful space. Yeah, and well done again for the awards um, that you, the award that you recently won and the other one that you were nominated as financial counsellor at, um, at the Financial Counselling Australia Conference, it's obviously very well deserved because your work has just been incredible. So thank you, Bettina, and thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, and I hope that when I get some bigger, better news, I can come back. We'd love to have you on in, in such happy times. That'd be fantastic. Um, thank thanks, Bettina. That's been a really informative discussion and unfortunately we are at the end of the program for tonight but I would like to again uh, thank Bettina for coming on and especially during NADOC week. Don't sing me an anthem Cos you don't know the words Words are hard to remember When they mean nothing at all To the hearts are still waiting For their voice to be heard Don't sing me your anthem When your anthem's absurd I might have been born here But when I was young 
listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.